Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, Kevin Jennings. Well, welcome to Launch University. I am Kevin Jennings, and I'm happy to be joined in the studio with my great friends, David Farmer and Jeff Henderson. How are you doing, guys? Good. How you doing, Kev? Fantastic. Good How to it? see you, man. Hey, good to see you too. So today we are sitting down and we're talking about why your elevator pitch is not working. Now, elevator pitch is a phrase I'm familiar with as a marketer, but I'm sure there's a listener right now that's saying, what is an elevator pitch? So I'm going to go to you, David, and say, so tell us what an elevator pitch is all about. Well, the origin comes from the idea that you happen to find yourself on a short elevator ride with somebody uh, that has significance. It could be a boss. It could be a project leader. It could be someone you want to try to convince uh, to, to help you in some way. And you know you literally have a very short window to convince them. And so you've got to find a, comp- you've got to find a compelling way to present your need or your opportunity or your solution to them. And, and so hence the metaphor is an elevator pitch is selling an important idea in a very clear and concise manner in a very short amount of time, uh, such that the the person that's that you're you're pitching it to would want to take the next step and engage with you. So I'm, I'm going to repeat that back to make sure I understand it. So an elevator pitch is a short, concise presentation of an idea in a short period of time. That would prompt somebody to want to take the next step. Okay, awesome, awesome. So, so Jeff, maybe you can kind of build on that. So why does that even matter? Well, I love this quote from Albert Einstein when he said, if you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. Ooh. And, you know, he had a, quite a challenge of trying to explain the theory of relativity. So that's not the most easiest thing for, for anyone to understand. And, but I think he's right. If you, just can't, if you can't explain it simply and it's transferable, then your idea is going to be confusing and they can't t- – what you want to do is have an idea that some, you pass to somebody and then they pass it on and then they pass it on. And so if it's not simple to understand and pass on, they can't do that so that the idea gets stuck. So what happens – when I don't do that well. Well, I can give you a real story. I, I work at Chick-fil-A, and I can remember uh, when our founder, Truett Cathy, was alive. I can remember literally getting on the elevator with Truett. It was just the two of us. And he asked me, so what are you working on? Ooh. There are only five floors in our building. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be a long elevator ride. Uh and you don't want to come off like a slacker or you don't really know, you don't have clarity. And I remember that feeling when I don't think I had a great answer. I got off the elevator and I was going, oh, I missed that. And so it convinced me I always need to be prepared uh, with a good, solid, tight answer when somebody asks me, hey, what are you working on these days? Mm, That's good. Now, I've heard a story and I have to admit, I don't know if this is true. I've heard it from a reliable source, but I just want to put it out there that I don't know that this is actually true. But... That said, there's the legendary story that Steve Jobs would get, you know, if you got an elevator at Apple and Steve Jobs and you rode up the elevator and he said, what do you do for me? If you didn't give him a clear explanation, then you were fired. And there was a whole division at Apple that rehired the people that Steve Jobs Jobs fired on the elevator. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. (laughs) I just, I I heard it from a very reliable source, but I'm not going to tell you who. But 
even at that point, going up the elevator, if you didn't have a clear explanation of what your role was at Apple, whether you got fired or not, that that's not a good thing. Absolutely. I will say the work that uh, the group that I'm part of at Chick-fil-A does, it, it cuts across the organization, and we need resources from all over the organization to, to kind of make it happen. And so I, I remind my team often, they need to have their elevator pitch ready. They need to be able to explain the project they're driving or leading in a really tight and compelling manner uh, to help people just rally around it, even if they don't need something specifically from the person they encounter at that moment. We want to try to build support for the work we're doing so that when we do need that kind of support, it's more likely to be available to us. Here's why that is so important. In a perfect world, a great idea would just be awesome. But a great idea, poorly communicated, is a stalled idea. Uh, A great idea poorly communicated is an unfunded idea and a great idea poorly communicated is an unsupported idea. So if you got a great idea, but it's poorly communicated or it takes a long time and complicated time to explain this, it's just not going to gain traction. Wow. And I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, if you're, if you're listening to this podcast, that's the goal, right? I mean, you are here to launch something well, and that's our responsibility to help you. And I'll be honest, I've never heard that phrase before, before Jeff shared it. And I, and that's convicting to me because if you listen to this podcast at least once or twice, you've heard me talk pretty fast once or twice. And so even me, despite the success that I've been blessed to have, I can work on how I communicate. That's for sure. So I, so I have a follow-up question for both of you. What I'm hearing, and I'm sure the listeners are hearing this as well, is you're both saying communication is where this breaks down. So if the, the pitch itself breaks down in communication. And I think that's a big deal because you walk into those situations assuming the quality of the idea is how you're being evaluated. You've probably spent all night, all day researching and to prove its viability to your leader or to, or to your spouse or to your friend or to your business partner. But this is about communication. Am I right? Yeah. Can I give you a metaphor? Yeah, please. To your point about you've worked on the idea, but you may not have thought about how you're going to deliver that idea. Think about something special you buy. It is that item you're buying that led you to make the purpose, purchase, excuse me, but the packaging that it comes in goes a long way in ultimately shaping your perception of what you just bought. And it could be good or bad. Like when I think of examples of good, you always hear about Tiffany's and the little blue box. Mm-hmm. And the little blue box in and of itself has become a thing. The packaging is so good that when you see it, you can't help but expect whatever's in it is going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Think about Apple. Apple does an incredible job with their packaging, the craftsmanship, the thoughtfulness that goes into the packaging, and then the the easy instructions on what to do as you open up your new product. And they just announced they're going to come out with this uh, iPhone 10, and it could cost upwards of $1,000. Don't you know the packaging for that is going to be incredible? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It better, better be, be, right? That's right. <laughs> but you contrast that with something that's poorly packaged, and it undermines your perception of what you're getting. And I, I think so it is with uh, the way we explain our ideas. Your pitch is like your packaging for your idea. Woo! Okay, just let the, just sit on that for a second, folks, right? I mean, I, your pitch is like your packaging. You know, when you were talking, I started thinking about Amazon. You know, I mean, they deliver. I got a bunch of stuff delivered same day recently. Um, and I had something that showed up a little beat up. And I thought to myself, 
how you know disappointed I was. I was assuming it was broken. I was already ready to file a complaint, and it made me think about as you were speaking, someone else and their ability to communicate your idea to someone else. Their ability to do it well or do it poorly reflects on your idea and you're not even there to communicate it so sometimes the person who's handling your idea and delivering that on your behalf they can also do a pretty poor job with that and so how well you communicate it how memorable it is um, how easy it is to understand that can go for you as well in a positive way yeah and as david said we understand packaging the product but what we're talking about is that you also have to package your pitch your elevator pitch and it's not just packaging it with words it's packaging it with word pictures Mm. and packaging it in a way that people can actually see it one of the things we 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 tell launchers is don't just say it show it and if you can if you can show it even in word pictures, again, just to mention the late Steve Jobs when he introduced iPod. What's an iPod? It's like having a thousand songs in your pocket. Mm. He didn't go into the technical jargon that I would never, ever understand, but he, I under, I've had a pocket, and I know what a thousand songs looks like. Well, I can have a thousand songs in my pocket. That's pretty cool. So he gave me a word picture. He packaged his idea with a word picture. It's easier said than done, but it can be done. So here's my question that I'm going I'm, to, I'm the listener. I'm a launcher. Here's my question for both of you. What's impacting my communication? So if, if my pitch is my packaging and a good idea, poorly communicated, is a stalled idea, how do I improve my communication? So, Jeff, I'll start with you. Well, That's I a think... good place to start since <laughs> Jeff does this really well for a living. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we'll see. I, I think the question you need to ask is, why is my elevator pitch not working? So, so And there, there are lots of reasons, but we're going to deal with just a few here on the podcast today. The first is nerves. And when you're nervous, you're going to create uneasiness on the other side of you. You've probably seen someone who gets up to present and they're nervous and now suddenly we're all nervous. Mm-hmm. And this happened to, to me recently. I was at a, uh, at a ceremony and, and the person speaking, you could just tell that, that this person was so nervous and suddenly we all started thinking, oh no, are they going to be able to make it? Are they going to be able to make it through this? So we all got nervous. And so nerves, especially when you're trying to pitch an idea, if you're nervous and it comes across as you're nervous, you begin to create doubts, not only in the idea, mm. but in the person communicating the idea. And that's a double whammy. Wow. Okay. So, so, so if nerves create doubt, what do I do? Well, I need to separate the two emotions or two feelings of nerves versus adrenaline. They're different. I want you, if you're pitching your idea, I want you to feel a sense of adrenaline. But don't confuse adrenaline with nerves. Just because you're feeling a little, you know, you're you're amped up, that's actually a good thing. If you're not feeling anything, I'm probably more concerned uh, for other reasons. So if you're feeling butterflies in your stomach, that's okay. I, I would say that's adrenaline, but you want that. But the way that you deal with nerves is you prepare. And there's a process to prepare. And many times when I coach communicators, particularly business communicators, and I ask them if they're prepared, they slow me, they show me a slide deck of like 82 slides and say, yep, I'm prepared. But what they haven't done is they've never said these things, these words out loud. They've never actually practice this. So they're they're they think they're prepared but they're actually not. And then if if you get up there then for the very first time they're saying these words out loud in front of people and you can kind of sense they get lost. And particularly if you go to different ballrooms invariably some kind of technology is not going to work, mm. you know, and then when the technology doesn't work, then everybody gets nervous. So yeah, can I build on that? Yeah, absolutely. Cause I, I think you're raising a huge point. You actually have to say the words and practice and kind of put yourself in that situation. And then 
when you can physically go rehearse it in the setting in which you're going to deliver it. And that's not always possible. But when you can, it's interesting to me how that often changes. When I sit at my desk and I'm working on it, I have sort of this image of this event. But it may not resemble reality at all. So if I can go actually try it out in what will be my uh, venue for uh, delivery, that, that could be a game changer. Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons I think it's better to have less slides than more. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you run the less risk of any technology glitches. And, and I also think the less time you, that's why I like this concept of elevator pitch. You don't have that much, you know, for David's context, you got five floors. Okay. Ooh. So again, if you've got an idea that's easily understood and you're communicating the reason and the need for it, you don't need a whole lot of time. So, so David, I want to pick up with you. So what, I mean, share another reason why you think people's elevator pitches are just not being effective as they're delivering their pitch. Yeah, Jeff referenced nerves. Uh, the one I'll add is I'm going to call it bad assumptions. Hmm. And here's what I mean. We often are so caught up in our idea or our solution um, that we, we jump to that idea and solution, assuming that everyone sees the problem. Hmm. They may not even see the problem. So in other words, they're just not on the same page uh, that we're on, but we've assumed that they are. We've not put ourselves in the, in the shoes of the audience. We've not thought about their point of view, uh, their perspective. And, and, and hence, we've sort of doomed ourselves right up front. We've got to first kind of uh, create some alignment there. And so one of the expressions I've heard that I really like is a problem well-defined is half solved. So getting clarity around the problem and making sure that your audience sees it the same way before you even start getting into the solution part of the pitch, I think can go a long way towards success as well. That's awesome. So I'm going to recap for you. So preparation so that we can handle nerves because nerves create doubts um, within us and the idea um, and, and probably in the mind of the, of the listener and the person who's, who's receiving this message or this pitch. And then the second one is that we talk too much about the idea, but maybe too little about the problem. Yep. Awesome. Why we needed that idea in the first place. Yeah. So what we can do is make sure that we've defined our problem well, because a problem well defined is half solved. So Jeff, I want to ask you the same question. Is there another reason that you see that, you know, or some other obstacle that's standing in the way of our elevator pitch? Yes, yeah, so this is this one is actually the one that's most overlooked because it's hard to see in the mirror. Mm. And what we do, and I totally understand this, as launchers, as we're presenting our idea, we want people to believe in our idea. But all the while, the people we're presenting to are wondering if they can believe in us. Mm. So they're not just measuring the idea, they're measuring us. And actually, they're measuring us more than the idea. Because if they don't believe in us, they're not going to believe in the idea. And this is a very hard thing to see, but it's very, very important. And if you just go barreling in with your idea and not understand that you are giving off cues, maybe unknowingly, those unknowing cues can actually damage your idea. It could be the best idea, but if they don't believe in you, they're not going to believe in your idea. Hands down, this, this, <laughs> this took me out. So, I mean, my, my first couple of jobs, I was 
super zealous. I mean, if anything, I would, I'm not trying to say this to be arrogant because it's just, it's just factual. Like I worked at two companies where the, the CEOs are really big on us, all of us learning and they would buy the whole company books all the time. I mean, good to great. And I mean, there's just some, some amazing books. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm only 23, 24 and I'm soaking it all up. I'm like, this is incredible. I'm so happy they're investing in me. I'm going to show them I'm grateful. I'm going to go make a difference. And I became this idea factory. I was I was walking around trying to help everybody and anybody I could, and people liked me. Like, oh, Kevin's kind. I get along with him, but I could never get past certain certain uh, barriers. And I remember one time, the, I sat down with the head of HR, and they said, Kevin, we want to give you a promotion to move, to move into marketing out of the sales team. I was like, Yes, that's what I really want to do so bad. I want to be a marketer, <laughs> and I was so excited. And they promoted the um, the uh, office manager, the front desk receptionist, to marketing before me. And I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, you all see every, every single book. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm all in this. And it just dawned on me at some point, they didn't believe in me. There was something that I wasn't doing. And, I, and, and, and eventually gave me an opportunity to steward that did grow my influence, but it wasn't the role I wanted. And I just had to take the little area they gave me and make it as meaningful as I could make it. For me, that was just a big thing. I really wish had I known that simple idea, you know, 10 years ago. I think a lot of things would have been different. Mm -hmm. I saw that play out real time just last week, Kevin. I was with a a team, and we were on a scouting trip, actually out in San Francisco and then down in Silicon Valley, uh, thinking about the just the guest experience at Chick-fil-A. But we were able to go to a venture capital firm that was housing all these little startup companies, and they have a whole uh, sector around hospitality and food, and they arranged for four different uh, startups to come and make a pitch to our group. Hmm. But they constrained them. They only had five minutes, and they held them to the five minutes because we were all on a tight schedule. And it was so interesting to me. You have the quality of the idea, but to Jeff's point, you've got – uh, the ambassador of that idea, the person making the pitch, and there was one in particular. He was nervous. He didn't. He he just did not start with the right, um, uh, just the right premise. We never got past him. Mm. Hmm. Whether his idea was good or not, I'm not even sure I can tell you. But what I remember is how he just kind of fumbled the ball on the pitch, mm-hmm. and he had a huge opportunity. Because uh, we're scouting, and he's got the right audience in front of him. That doesn't happen. That kind of magic doesn't happen often, but totally fumbled the ball. Yeah, and, and there may be exceptions to the rule every now and then, but I think more often than not, these principles do apply. And uh, I, I even have a friend, and he'll remain nameless even though he's in the room, when he talked about, uh, hey, in church world, be careful because you know some pastors get up there and they just look sloppy, and they're communicating something to people like that are in the business world that we don't get to look sloppy wow. more often than not. So be be careful about whatever you're communicating that you actually are in the real world and that pastors don't have this you know imaginary world that most of us don't really have to live in. And uh, so that that's great. So so there's a real this is a really important issue. What what are you communicating nonverbal nonverbally? You know, speaking of that, you know, we, we before we recorded, I, I looked up just communication in general, and we saw that they said ninety percent of communication is nonverbal. So if you split that in half, that's half body language, half tone, you know, so, so it's 90%. That's, that's pretty overwhelming to even think about when you say, the, and I'm spending all of my time on my slide deck and the words I'm going to come out of my mouth, 
and that's not even half of the game. Well, the good news there is your idea doesn't have to be that good. <laughs> you know, just, it just has to be 10% good, you know? Yeah. You, you said slide deck too, and, and so can I just go there for just yeah, a moment? Please. So if you have the opportunity to make your pitch where there are visuals, uh, nothing causes me to check out faster than a slide with a bunch of words. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so I'm looking for just uh, an image maybe a couple of words that somebody can speak to and bring to life, but not a slide full of words or graphs or charts that's dense that I got to labor through. Mm-hmm. And if you got a few of those, all the worse. So, so, so here's my question for both of you. Um, and I'll start with you, Jeff. So if people are trying to decide if they believe in us, what, what's, what's our antidote to that? What's, what's our solution? Well, we do have a solution if and I think there's a process that you're gonna. You, this is gonna require some work. Mm-hmm. It's gonna require. And if the idea, you know, is what we're about here at Launch University, we want to take your ideas and good intentions, turn them into reality, and sustain them. There, there's some work to be done, but but we believe we've got a process that could, that could help people do that. And 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 I think before you unveil the process, I even wanted to talk about, um, you know, what role does. You know, how do we manage our per- people's perceptions of us? You know, I think if, if, if they're in, if they're looking at us and that's, and that's kind of what's in the way of the idea, um, you know, how, how can we go about solving that one? Well, there's actually an assessment we're working on, Kevin, um, that gets into issues like your physical appearance. Wow. Um, your energy, your, the way you speak, um, everything from a tone to uh, pace. Um, we sometimes I just said it. You, I said, uh, count the uhs. You know, is, is it full of all these little stutters? Eye contact. So there is there is some process to this. We can help people almost like a checklist walk through and figure out where are the opportunities for them to up their game. And I would say, in terms of ninety percent to ten percent, that I would say it's it's not too far from that. That ninety percent of people have never seen themselves give a presentation. Ooh, they've never recorded it and watched it Ooh. because it's 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 very painful to do that. But that's the number one way that you get better is by watching yourself. So. This we don't want people to you know we don't want to dredge up insecurities and all this kind of stuff. But your brand is really important. You are communicating something as you communicate, and it's not just the words coming out of your mouth. I like golf, and I will. I'm trying to become a better golfer. I'll take golf lessons. When I go see the golf instructor, he puts me on this video system. He shoots the video. Now he's got this software that can overlay lines and make it easy to point out where I'm off and where the fault lies and how to improve it. And I'm imagining what if we had that same kind of software for a presenter? Yeah. It's easy to film them, but what if we could then, it's almost like the guys on football with the telestrators, you know, mm-hmm. and they're, they're drawing on top of the play. What if we could draw on top of that presenter in their presentation and show them, well, this could have been better. Or what if you'd have done this differently? Yeah. And so David's done that. And I can tell, tell you, he will never win a lot of money playing golf. Okay. But, but, <laughs> but, but he's, he's invested some money on that and we need to invest in, in that kind Kind of approach as it relates to communicating our ideas. So, question for you, Jeff. So, what what role does emotional intelligence possibly play in some of in some of that perception management side of it of when it comes to us being in the way of our own idea? It's huge. I, I think 
emotional intelligence is hard, but it's just, it's just so helpful. And it's for every area of life. The more emotionally aware I am as a husband, the better husband I'm going to be. The more emotionally aware I am as a father, the better father that I'm going to be. And the more emotionally aware I am as a launcher, the better launcher I'm going to be. You know, we've said this before. What's it like to be on the other side of me? So all of this plays into the idea. You can't separate it from the idea. It all goes together. Wow, that's so great. I mean, obviously, as a marketer, I believe in this. We all kind of work in marketing in different capacities. Yes, we do. And and so the idea of, of me saying, hey, with if you can't communicate the idea, well, we're kind of lost in the water. I heard Johnny Cuff recently say, um, if you had medicine for someone and you knew it would help them, would you not share it with them? And I and, and that was really convicting to me because I feel like I've been blessed to to do marketing for really great products and services. However, if I'm incapable of sharing it well, they still won't get the medicine. And I think to me, that's really convicting to say, I have a duty to do it well, not just because I want to be great at my job, but if I believe in what I'm selling and I'm offering people, me doing it well is what stands in between them getting what they need. Yeah. We call that internalizing the message that it's, it's in you, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and people, We'll, we'll look at you and go, I don't know if I believe in it, but I believe that you believe in it. So I might believe in it because you believe in it. There's that internalizing the message. And there's the old adage, you are the message. I think mm-hmm. the same applies to launchers. You are the idea. Ooh, that's good. So, okay. So Jeff alluded to something a moment ago, and we're kind of just going to go there. You talked about there's a process that we're developing and that we want to share it with people. Now, before I t- just let Jeff kind of walk you through this new idea that we're working on at, at Launch You. I just want to selfishly, if I'm your consultant for one second, I just cannot move past this idea enough. It sounds so simple in nature, but if you happen to just take five minutes of your time and go on Kickstarter, you can look up, they have top grossing campaigns on Kickstarter, and you're going to see $10 million, $1 million, $3 million. And this is a place where people are literally going to communicate their idea that doesn't exist yet. We are selling you a potential idea and people are willing to put up millions of dollars to see something come to life. And you say, well, well, that was technology. Well, there are examples of planners that have made hundreds of thousands of dollars. There are albums and music that have gotten hundreds of thousands of dollars. So, and so, there's probably not even a relationship between the investor and the creator, right? Absolutely. And, and so, you know, so I think for me, that's, we can get too, too uh, stuck on the idea of, venture capitalist saying, well, I don't know anyone who can write me a big check. And I was like, yeah, that's totally true. But because of things like Kickstarter, you have access to people who can give you $5 and lots of them. And people are being sold solely on the power of a pitch. So why do you think the idea that got 10 million or 3 million or 500,000, why do you think they got it? You know, when when I look at them, each of the, the people in the campaigns I've looked at, they were really, really aware of what they were doing. I mean, you, you could you could see it in the video, the confidence for sure, but they they had a very clear goal. And many of them had already prototyped it. They at least had two or three prototypes. They had run it by someone. They were confident that the problem could be solved with what they were creating. And and because of it, because they interacted with people and they followed the launch loop and the, and the process of kind of going through that design thinking process, you could see many of them had, a, had an awareness that the average person doesn't. Even the artists that get funded. I mean, you're selling music. You can play your guitar on the video and I can hear if you're good or not. 
But those people were appealing to people's hearts in a very different kind of way. They knew what they were going to do and they, and they had to figure it out. And so I, I think some of that is comes through practice, like we talked about earlier. Um, but I think, if anything, knowing what you want from someone is, is a big part of the pitch, too. And that we'll, we'll talk about that. But like, what do you want out of this pitch? And your clarity on that empowers me on the other end of it. So, so Jeff unpack what we have coming for everybody. I know people want to hear about it now at this point. So I'll let you try to share with that. Yeah, well, we're really excited. Our first product offering at Launch University is called on. Elevator Pitch. And uh, the promise is minimum words, maximum results. So, you know, that's the that's the, the the metaphor on an elevator, as David mentioned earlier. You don't have a whole lot of time, so you have to have minimum words, but those words need to generate maximum results. So if you were to take these ideas on Kickstarter and put them under a microscope, and the, if the specific nature of the ideas would kind of melt away, what you would be left with, we believe, is a framework of or, or or a grid of similar strategies as they communicated these different ideas. And so what we've done as a launch university team, we've created a process, a grid, a framework, if you will, that you can follow that will allow you to communicate your idea in, in a minimal way, but with maximum results, with minimum words and maximum results. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm super excited about that. So what we want to do is tell you right now that this is going to be available in December. That's right. Just a month or so from right now, you are going to be able to have that product in your hands because we want to make sure that when you start the new year, as you're thinking about all the visions you have and the projects you want to start, the, the initiatives at your job you want to lead, we want to empower you to be able to communicate them to your peers, to your to your spouse um, in a way that helps you understand where your holes are as well. There's, there's a lot of information you can get from presenting the idea, but also buy-in so you can move things forward. I, I know for me, I love pitching Junction 32. I love pitching my projects because I like the opportunity to prototype the concept itself, to see someone's eyes light up if they get it, if they don't get it. Um, but with that being said, what we're going to do to get this started is we mentioned earlier about a self-assessment that, that David had been developing around personal branding. And we're going to give it to you for free if you go to launchu.net. If you go to launchu.net. Which will take you to launchuniversity.com. It will. It will. In fewer letters. Exactly. In, in, in fewer letters, <laughs> right? And it's easier to remember. So launchyou.net. And when you get to the page, you'll have an opportunity to go straight to see an overview of the product, elevator pitch. And you can also join the waiting list, which will give you immediate access to David's personal brand self-assessment. Now, I like saying it's David's because David dresses so well. I feel like if we, by putting his name on it, instead of just launch his name on it, <laughs> that's right. that has more value. He's got a great brand. Yeah, he does. It's way more than, it, it, no, that, it is a lot more than dress, so you don't want to do that. <laughs> so, and, and so a big part of what I want to make sure you do is that we give you something you can start doing right now and how you can go about making sure people believe in you. And I think that starts with you taking your, a, a hard look at yourself in the mirror using David's self-assessment and get on the, get on the right track um, leading up to the elevator pitch product being in your hands in one month from now. Now, Kevin, you you actually coined three phrases that basically are the payoff for elevator pitch. So tell us, what as you go through this, there are three groups, if you will, that will help you launch your idea. Absolutely. I, I think that for me and, and, and really my clients more than anything, there are three things they're always trying to do, and that's sell their idea, their product or service, but sell their idea, 
recruit supporters. So that could be staff members, volunteers. I have a lot of nonprofits that I work social with. Social media. Yeah, social media. I work with a lot of folks about social or, or, or I work with a lot of nonprofits. And the third thing is you want to secure investors. You want to secure funding of some kind. I actually had uh, an artist I was consulting that had a Kickstarter campaign and we walked through what it means to up those tiers. We also do you know do the same thing with you know, startups, like even myself, trying to think about how people can, can buy into what I'm doing. And so recruiting supporters, securing investors, and selling your ideas. At some point, it does not matter where you are, someone is going to ask you to explain what you're doing. And you can you can make it, you know, your mission statement, which might be really compelling and moving, but you can also design it in a way that's compelling enough to move them to action. And that's that's meaningful for you, for your organization, for your team, and for your idea. And most mission statements are worthless. If I, if I can be bold, <laughs> nobody remembers them because they're way too long. Right. And so that's one of the things we'll teach on elevator pitches. Again, minimum words. The less you say, the more impactful it will be. I got a, a little challenge for our listeners that may sort of whet their appetite for wanting uh, to learn about how to deliver a better elevator pitch. Go for it. Think about all the little informal encounters we have when we just bump into somebody wherever. And they say, how are you doing? And a typical response might be fine or I've been busy, which are just kind of throwaway answers. So imagine that you had a one sentence response about something that you were very excited about, some endeavor that you had just been part of or about to be part of that you can you don't want to open up a big conversation. But you want to elevate the conversation up and you want to give just a one, maybe two sentence response. Just try that. And it, it helps illustrate it's not easy to give a thoughtful and meaningful response in a short period of time. And that may highlight, as you then translate that to opportunities to talk about your passions, your ideas, your work projects, your nonprofit endeavors that you're pushing, the importance of, of, of nailing that pitch uh, which is what we want to come alongside and help you do. Yeah, and we want to be really clear. This this is a simple process, but it's hard work. Absolutely. And it actually takes, I, I tell preachers this all the time, it actually takes more time to preach shorter messages. Mm-hmm. You think the, the opposite is true. You know, you're going to have a long time to prepare these long messages. But what happens is, and this is kind of uh, a hidden secret in preacher world, you can tell if a person's prepared or not, if by usually by how long they preach. Wow. Um, because they're, you know, if they find their point around 35 or 38 minutes and then they get so excited and they preach another 30 minutes. So, so if you're going to do this and really communicate clearly and succinctly and simply, as Albert Einstein said, then it's, you're going to have to do some hard work to get there. But we can help you. You know, and this matters because go-getters are always launching something in life, whether it's a career, a product or an idea, but oftentimes they get stuck. When we all get stuck in the uncertainty of the next step and we don't have a clear game plan for making it happen. Yeah, and if you if this idea is so big, it's bigger than you, which means you're going to have to you need people to fund it, promote it and support it. And if that's going to happen, you got to communicate it. And at Launch University, we want to help you, the go-getter, become a difference maker by giving you proven practices that can get your ideas off the ground. And what you just heard was our elevator pitch. That's right. That was our elevator pitch. We worked on it last year, and I wanted to, I wanted to integrate it. I was, I'm determined to integrate it right now because I feel like 
that's that's a part of it, right? So thank you for listening to this episode. Go to launchyou.net and get our free personal brand self-assessment, um, as well as other great resources, blog articles, podcast episodes. And if you want more of this podcast, you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, tune in. Um, you can also leave ratings and reviews. Check out the show notes. We're gonna have links to all of these incredible resources we talk about when you visit our show notes. And um, we want to make sure that we are helping you turn your good intentions into reality and sustaining them, your good ideas into reality and sustaining them. So we want you to keep coming back here to Launch University. And uh, thank you for listening. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the Launch University podcast. We hope it's helped you move from go-getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. For more helpful resources, visit launchuniversity.com.